Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Killar jag så bra som mig Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Yes, welcome back everybody to part two of the March 5th, 2023 episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, a show mainly about fantasy hockey, but also about friends' vibes. You know, everything that makes us have a good time in life, enjoy the good things, including watching our favorite players switch teams as we've had a very exciting trade deadline. And Brian and I have been breaking down all of the news and the notes and the ups and the downs and everything that we need to know to be successful in our fantasy leagues going into hopefully our fantasy playoffs. Brian, we had a blast in part one talking about every single defenseman, I think, that's had their value go up or down. Did you end up giving an answer, by the way, on Bouchard versus Chikrin, who you'd rather have on your cupful team if you could only have one? I gave it preemptively that I still want Bouchard, still Bouchard. Ab- okay. above all. Um, who is Favorite. behind Bouchard? I guess, well, is it Chikrin? Or is it Sandine? I think you had Sandine yeah, there. Yeah, Sandine. Or, I, you know what? I think I might take Shikrin ahead of Sandine just because like the floor is pretty low for Sandine, lower than Shikrin. So how about I'll slot Shikrin in there? And I've got to buzz you because you're already talking about defense. Ah! I mean, you said you wouldn't. Biz. Okay, well, that was just the recap. That was the recap of part one. And then now we're going to start moving forward, and we've got a ton more to talk about. So let's just dive right in, okay, pal? Uh, and we can start over in L.A. We were talking about goalies with Thatcher Demko. We had a little goalie swap here where the Kings made a trade with Columbus, where they acquired Eunice Corposalo. Uh, they also got Gavrikov, who I retweeted from. Oh, Brian, we have a brand new uh, account. I don't even know if I told you about this. At, at Day Stats NHL. Where, where we're, we're basically we have at game day news NHL where generally Shams and I are retweeting like news you know news like injuries like you, like we don't really have like what if someone just had a good game someone's doing you know it doesn't feel like newsy but it still feels like worth retweeting so now we have game day stats NHL for like interesting stats and we retweeted something about Gavrikov and how big of an impact he's had since coming to LA but anyways I wanted to he's like for fantasy he's not going to be worth discussing but I did want to shout his name up but yeah Corpusalo comes in he played his first game for LA on Saturday and he had him himself a, a very good game in this win over st louis he let in two goals but it was on i'm trying to like do this and bring up the, at the same time make it sound so smooth yeah two goals on 26 shots so a 923 save percentage for corpusala who's been having a great year in columbus now he goes to a cup contender i guess he's in a tandem with phoenix copley we'll see for how long uh maybe one of them wins out or maybe they're just happy to go 50 50 uh, again it's like I, I always feel bad when i like throw to you asking you a goalie question because i know the answer is like who knows but like my hunch i'll just say is i think corpusalo is going to be like the game one starter in the playoffs for la so i'll throw that out there at least and i think that also means he'll probably play more in the regular season uh so what do you think brian has this like totally tanked phoenix copley's value and should everyone be rushing to grab corpusalo just to like why, why do you think corpusalo has the upper hand here yeah, I feel like he's, like, first of all, been an NHL veteran for longer. Like, he has more experience. Uh, I feel like he's, I think, having a better season overall. He's better save percentage. Just, like, I don't know. I have better. I feel like Copley has been so good for L.A., but that's been, like, compared to Jonathan Quick and compared to Cal Peterson. You know, I think overall he hasn't been, like, you know, one of the top goalies in the league. And I think Corpusal, I don't know. Again, it's just mostly hunches, but I guess those would be the main reasons, the experience and just the better numbers so far. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Like usually though for me the incumbent is the body the, the like the person who has the advantage, right? But I hear what you're saying. Like Corpusalo has been better this season. A fifty eight percent quality start percentage versus Copley's fifty one percent quality starts, and that's really what like I'm looking at. If I want I want my goalie to give me a chance to win any given night. And so far that has been Corpusalo over Copley this year. And Copley continues to struggle. He had a moment a few weeks back where Copley strung three great starts together. But aside from that, he hasn't put up back-to-back average performances together since his debut run in early December. So, like, we were all wowed with Copley. He took the job from Quick, but I think one of the only reasons he's held it is because Quick was not competition. And this is a this is a hole that LA desperately needed to plug. And that's why I think Corpusalo has a shot here. My guess, Elon, is a little opposite to yours. It's that uh, Copley is still going to be the Kings guy. He's been there all season, but they know he needs rest. And maybe he's best when sharing the duties. So what I could see happening is Copley and Corpusalo go 50-50 for a bit. And then one of them 
I assume just one of them emerges. Like it's going to be an open competition heading into the playoffs, but the Kings are also going to have to go with a hot hand until then to, you know, make the playoff picture as positive as possible for the team. And if you're asking me who's going to have the hot hand through the rest of the season, I will guess Corpus Allo. So I think Copley has like the, the slight leg up to begin with, but I think that leg up could disappear pretty quick. And I think it's going to be a game by game thing. So if you're looking like we had a patron asking in our discord server, who uh, like how to rank the LA goalies. And I think if you were relying on an LA goalie to give you volume, I, I have a feeling you're not going to get that through the rest of the stretch. Yeah, you're probably right. I, I again, I have a hunch that Corpusalo might be worth a hold for now, but definitely we'll like we'll have more data and that'll help us out for sure. Uh, but you know, good job Phoenix Copley for keeping the Kings in the playoff race this whole time. Uh, so anyway, so Jonathan Quick went to Columbus and he quickly got flipped to Vegas for Michael Hutchinson. And Jonathan Quick played today his first game, not as an LA King. Very interesting, and he got the win, which is good. But Vegas was up three nothing, and the Montreal almost came back to uh, tie it in the third. So Quick ended the game stopping only 25 of 28, so sub 900 save percentage, which is generally what we see from Jonathan Quick. I think that maybe he was like, oh my God, am I going to get a shut going to the third period with a shutout? Like, oh, I'm this isn't the old me, I'm back. And then all of a sudden, you know, Mike Matheson and Alex Belzeal and Raphael Harvey Pinard wanted to, you know, knock him down a notch or two. But hey, he got the win. That's what matters. Moving forward, though, like, I guess I could ask you Quick versus Hill, just like I asked you about Corpusalo versus Copley. But before I say that, ask you that, I have to obviously bring up the fact that Aiden Hill it, like had an insane game uh, versus New Jersey on uh, Friday. He stopped uh, 47 of 50, and all the tweets I was seeing were just like, Hill is like, like just like, oh my God, Hill, I can't, I'm running out of things to say about how amazing Hill is looking in this game. Like, like New Jersey is obviously a super strong team, and Vegas was able to win, I'd imagine, almost completely because of Aiden Hill's heroics. Uh, he's also had like two great games before it, and like Jonathan Quick is Jonathan Quick. So I think if you have Aiden Hill and you were like, uh oh, now like he's not going to be the starter even though Brossois is injured I think no I think you're fine like I think Aiden Hill is someone who I'd rather have than like Corpusalo or Copley or Quick yeah well he's most likely to see volume down the stretch like hey what a story from Aiden Hill I picked up uh, another reason I'm going to lose this week by the way which I know is everybody's favorite topic is Aiden Hill um being healthy and Laurent Brossois not I wasted a move picking up Brossois for this week, thinking he'd split with Hill, uh, and my opponent has Aiden Hill, and Aiden Hill has been phenomenal this season. The chances of him stringing together the three starts he did this week, in my mind, were so low. I was actually like, oh, this is good. Like, Hill's going to get all these starts. He's not going to do anything. He's going to waste a roster spot for my opponent. No. Aiden Hill's been incredible. Uh, since the game before Logan Thompson's injury, Aiden Hill is 5-1-0 with a 9.26 save percentage. And yeah, he killed me this week, especially stopping 47 of 50 to steal a win against the Devils in a game that the Devils were clearly very motivated and excited to, to win and perform. I've never seen a run like this from Aiden Hill before. And it's a small one, but even that is saying something, right? About where my expectation was and what an achievement I think this is for Aiden Hill. So I expect him to see volume down the stretch. I think Quick has to be plan B. And with a healthy Brossois, maybe Quick becomes plan C. And with a healthy Logan Thompson, maybe Quick becomes plan D. He did all right today. Uh, had a near collapse in the third against Montreal today. Uh, and like there is a chance that Jonathan Quick still has something, something in there to give. But he's mm. not somebody I have a, a whole lot of confidence in. That said, I don't have a ton of confidence in Aiden Hill either i just assume that one of the other goalies gets healthy and steps up before the wheels totally come off hill and before jonathan quick can put in enough performances to really make a case to deserve more starts yeah i know you've been like kind of like not into hill like all season long like i guess and uh maybe for a good reason overall he's out up to a nine fourteen save percentage now maybe he's just like doing needed, great you know, this some year. chance to yeah, he's doing good. And like, you know, maybe, you know, some goalies like need an opportunity to, to like, you know, get some experience in and sort of get on a roll a little bit. So I, I wouldn't totally give up. He's only 26 years old and uh, I'm, I'm pretty into him right now. And I think Vegas is a, good team potentially yeah. if they can get some good goaltending and I think they're getting it from him. I don't, so I, I don't, yeah. don't like, yeah, I guess you're right. It's a, it's a fair point, Elon. Like last year, Hill played as many games and had a 906. The year before that, he played 19 games with Arizona. Had a, he's had a decent career. Maybe, I don't know why. I've, I think I've been down on Aiden Hill just because he's sort of had opportunities but never been able 
but also on like bad teams. Like I feel yeah. like it, they must make yeah. a difference to like be able to play on a team that could actually support you somewhat. Yeah, I'm just looking at his career numbers like compared to expected. Oh, this is why I've been down on him because like he's always played a fair deal below expected even yeah. when his raw save percentage is good. But this year he's even. This year he's like playing like just a smidge above expected. And I don't know, Brian. Like, tell me if this. I'm totally out to lunch here, and that sounds like a you know an old school person. Like, I know that stat. The, the in theory is supposed to be about how oh we we could take away the you know effect of the team and just be like how well would an average goalie have done versus like you know with the same exact workload. And so it's you know it doesn't matter if he was on a bad team or a good team. But I feel like I would be surprised if it still doesn't play a part. You know, like it's hard to totally measure how tricky. And I just think like goalies in general on San Jose, like, you know, don't do very well. And I can't imagine it's all just, they're all just like below expected. Like, I feel like James Reimer's goals, like against above expected will go up if he goes to like a good team, you know, uh, just a hunch. I, yeah, no, I don't, I think that's the whole point about expected goals. I know, is that I know, it, I know. it accounts for that. I mean, you could, I thought you were going to make the argument that it doesn't account for like context, right? Like, like this is a new team and a new system and maybe he'll like just works better behind certain teams and systems and that like i i would believe i would buy into that argument even though the expected goals i suppose but it's the same way for forwards right like uh some forwards are measured in expected goals but expected goals doesn't really describe their goal scoring ability some players can routinely underperform their expected goals and other players routinely overperform it so there, there definitely are special cases and I guess, like, not to, like, hold a huge candle to Aiden Hill. Like, I don't have any vested interest in him or anything. But uh, I guess also the fact that he's been, like, sub-25 years old. Like, his whole run in Arizona. and then like Sub-25 years old. I love the way you framed that. Yeah, he's been a youth. But uh, now he's turning into a man over on Vegas. So yeah, that, this, that can make a difference. This is about the age. We see goalies who look like they can't hack it in the NHL from a young age. This This is about when, like, mid to late 20s or early 30s. Where it's like, oh, wait, maybe they can play. Goaltending is a is a funny, funny position. Yeah. But you know what else is a, a funny position? I don't know. I, I was going to try to do But anyways, I want to talk about Barbashev, okay? As a forward. He, a forward is also a funny position. And that someone like Ivan Barbashev can be on St. Louis and not be super impactful. Then all of a sudden, you get on a line with Jack Eichel and Jonathan Marcheseau. And all of a sudden, things change. And Brian, another good game for Barbashev today. He had two goals for... Uh, Vegas, both at even strength. I know when I talked about him with Shams on Shortest, Shams mentioned how he's not getting any power play, which, yeah, that would be helpful. But he still now has two straight multi-point games, five points in his last three games. Uh, You know, that's five points, I guess, in four games playing with Vegas. So it's obviously a really good spot. Playing on the top line is good. Plus, in your multi-category leagues, you must be drooling at today's stat line with two goals, uh, six hits, two blocks. We helped you across the board. I'll point it out for you, Brian. Those two goals were on two shots, and that's not something we can expect to continue. But... He's on the top line, right? So, I mean, you do expect that Eichel and Marshall are going to get points and Barbashev will be there. So definitely not saying that he's like a season long hold and like you need to, uh, you know, drop everyone to get Ivan Barbashev. But I think if he was a free agent for me, I would be becoming quite interested with this run he's on. Yeah, I, w- I was actually hoping that Barbashev would only get the one goal today and then he'd be up to four points and I could call that a Barbashev quartet. Uh, but he was on the top power play on Friday and also saw some time playing with Eichel with the man advantage today. Uh, and like it's hit, it had four hits and three blocks against New Jersey. I haven't checked his peripherals today, um, but it feels like Vegas would be really happy if Barbashev continued to not look out of place alongside Eichel. They've been trying, like we've heard the names Mike Amadio and Paul Cotter. We've seen a lot of line shuffling. And if Barbashev just like drops in there, and it works. I don't see Vegas really wanting to mess with that. So he's in a really good spot, especially if the points keep coming. And like you, Elon, I would be uh, going out and grabbing Ivan Barbashev. Uh, like I, of course, always check the schedule first and make sure he's actually going to play for you and that it's useful for you. And like given where you are in the standings and the upcoming schedule. But yeah, Barbashev is somebody that you should definitely consider rostering. And yeah, uh, on the other side, I guess on the third side of this trade with, uh, you know, Vegas and L.A. and Columbus, we do get to the Blue Jackets, who now don't have Corpusalo. They don't have Quick. They do have Elvis Merzlikens. And I'll be honest, I felt a little FOMO. I was thinking of grabbing Merzlikens for I saw Columbus was playing Friday, Saturday. I thought I had a hunch that Merzlikens would probably play both of those games because, like, are they really going to play Hutchinson? They'll, they'll have to at some point, right? Uh, but anyways, then someone else took Merzlikens before I had a chance. And I was like, oh, I blew it. Ah, typical me this season. Season, like always being a step behind but i don't know 
Maybe I, I dodged a bullet there. Uh, so he uh, had an okay game on Friday against Seattle, letting in three goals on 34 shots, but not as good of a game on the Saturday versus Ottawa, letting in four goals on uh, only 23 shots. So like an 826 save percentage in that game, just brutal. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like Merzlikens is like going to be a volume starter now. They have no other choice. I just wonder like how valuable will he be? Like, you know, like I'm looking at his game log here and you have to scroll back all the way till January 8th to see a game with fewer than three goals against. It's almost all threes and then a four, five and a six sprinkled in there. So not, not pretty, but yeah. you know, at least you'll see lots of shots against. Yeah, well, exactly. So it depends on on what your format is. Goals against average, Merzlikens is going to be in tough, but for saves and wins, he's Merzlikens is going to be in tough, but for saves and save percentage, Merzlikens could reward you. He's in like a John Gibson situation now, right? Like, Elon, you said he, in 11 straight games, Merzlikens had three goals against or more. Um, But over that stretch, he's averaged nearly 35 shots against. So if you stop 32 of those 35 shots, if you give up three goals facing 35, that's a 914 save percentage, which is like almost 10 save points above league average. And Merzlikens also just came off before that Ottawa game, which didn't go well. He's playing the second half of a back-to-back. But before that, he had a three-game stretch where Merzlikens faced 119 shots against, and he led in three goals in each of those games, and had a 926 save percentage to show for it, and only lost one of those games in regulation. Um, so Merzlikens' numbers are likely not going to be pretty, but like a John Gibson, I-, I think that's the class he's in now, right? Unlikely to win, likely to give up a bunch of goals. Um, But for volume, if you're getting points for saves and potentially save percentage, Elvis could help you. Okay, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. No, for sure you're right. Like, he's going to have a good save percentage. Yeah, just if you're in a categories league where you, like, have to worry about even save percentage, I'd be nervous. Goals against average, for sure, I'd be nervous. Wins, I don't think he's going to help you very much. But yeah, like, uh, starting goalie is hard to find. So if, if it was Kukupful, I would probably grab him, but I'd still be nervous. Yeah, I will add, I think, is it uh, Columbus just plays twice next week? So if you are thinking of adding him, like, now is probably not the well, time. I actually brought that up on the matchup maximizer uh-huh. uh, yesterday, but then I like corrected myself quickly thinking like, you know, most goalies only play two times. And like for a forward, I'm with you, but for a goalie, it's like usually the back, if the team plays three times, usually the backup plays one anyway. So yeah. Maybe, okay. Fair point. Though on Saturday, like every team plays. It's, so probably, it's Tuesday. And have, sa- yeah. yeah. It's Tuesday and Saturday. So if you're adding him to an existing cabal of goaltenders. Yeah. Yeah. Then it won't work out. Uh, let's go now to the uh, New York Rangers, who uh, probably on paper look like the big winners of the trade deadline, right? Because they got both Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, of course, the results matter, though. You, you know, we look at the names of the players and we're like, we're super excited. But unfortunately, the Rangers uh, keep losing. They lost to the Sens on Thursday. Then they lost to Boston on Saturday. And to be fair, we've already talked about how awesome the Sens are lately. Uh, Boston is probably the top team in the league. Uh, So maybe I don't want to read too much into it. Uh, But looking at the players, Patrick Kane, now two games with the Rangers. uh, No points. He's been on the top line with Panarin and Trocek. He's been on the top power play. He's in a good spot, right? He's he, checking all those boxes. All we need now is for him to deliver. And he was delivering. Like he went on a crazy run at the end of his stint in Chicago after having a disappointing season overall. Patrick Kane was looking like the Kane of old. He was like scoring almost every game. Uh, now he goes to the Rangers. Should we be worried about this slow start on the Rangers that maybe Patrick Kane will just kind of go back to being what we saw for the rest of the season? Or is his like spot just like too good to not just like start going off in a crazy way? Kane was on a, a heck of a run on his way out of Chicago with seven goals in his last four games in Chicago on 17 shots. So like got super hot. None of those goals came on the power play. I'm not sure if any were on an empty net. That seems unlikely. I'm not sure how many empty nets Chicago has gotten to face this year. Um, yeah. I, the thing with Kane is it's hard to really gauge where he's at in his career because um, like, you know, I was talking about expected goals and whatever, but advanced stats don't have not always measured his full impact because he is such a great passer and it's not all captured in the way that advanced stats are captured with the data that's available. So it's hard to say whether Patrick Kane is washed 
or if he just continues to be underappreciated by the metrics that we generally use to measure hockey players. I mean, it's not a great sign that Kane seemed like a, I didn't even notice him. I watched the, his first game in New York. He seemed like a non-factor, um, but he's seen a lot of minutes, including nine and a half minutes on the power play over his two games as a Ranger so far. Uh, and I think Patrick Kane is probably working out how to fit in on the whole, right? Like he's used to a system Uh, that basically revolves around him at five on five and even strength. So I'm not surprised if there's a bit of an adjustment period here for Patrick Kane. And, uh, you know, I I wonder how great he'll be. And I've expressed caution already through the year that we all know he's not what he once was. And we've, we've had this conversation a couple times, Elon, where I'm like, if he goes to another team, I don't know that that makes me any more interested. And you're like, oh, but he's Patrick Kane and Chicago sucks. So he's in a better place. But, you know, this has been an ongoing thing. Uh, And I think basically he's going to look bad until he doesn't. Like I could see him catching fire too. I think the tricky thing with Patrick Kane is like in shallower leagues, figuring out where he sits and how patient you can be if he's approaching bottom roster status which he very well could be but so long as the minutes are still coming in the power play deployment like I'd be willing to wait another at least another couple games before really starting to think seriously about letting him go yeah uh noted uh Bruins fan Andy here in the chat is saying that I guess he watched the game like that Kane was a non-factor against the Bruins two of his turnovers led directly to goals so that's oh, obviously he's a, not great he's a factor then well, yeah, it's a factor in the negative way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, but I mean, one player that he can try to model his entrance to the Rangers after is Vladimir Tarasenko, who also started slow on his new team, but now has two goals and three assists in his last three games. And Tarasenko hasn't even been on the top power play, but who needs it? He's like uh, Claude Giroux, right? He's going to produce with whatever time he gets. And yeah, Tarasenko looking really good right now. So we'll see if maybe Patrick Kane can, can follow suit. But I agree with you, Brian. It's really hard to say since we've never seen him outside of Chicago. We don't really know, like, is he good or is he not good? Except for, I guess, Andy watched the game, said he wasn't good. So there's one data point for you right there. I trust Andy as a data point for sure. And and but like you said, Vladimir Tarasenko offers some kind of like, yeah, there is a template for this. Come, although he was really good in his first game as a Ranger. But look, these things take time and they're really hard for us to project to. You've got a player who's been in one place forever, moving to a new location, taking on a new role. There's a lot of moving parts. So I, unfortunately, I'm just going to be honest here and say I don't have much to offer except we know the player Patrick Kane can be. I think we still know how great he can be. And I expect to see that at some point uh at least in spurts during his time as a ranger yeah okay so we talked about arizona and how they're down a couple defensemen who i won't name uh and Bjugstad. uh and we talked about how their lineup looks pretty shaky another team with a lineup that looks like pretty <laughs> off is uh kane's former team now in chicago so they've lost kane they've lost domi uh, you'll be you'll buzz me up they lost jake mccabe uh they lost sam lafferty uh like you know, Arizona still has a good first line. Chicago has nobody. They just, oh, I'm going to, but they do. Okay. Uh, forget what I said. Okay. But I'm not going to actively ask about defensive. I was going to say, you know, Arizona has a good first line. Chicago has basically Seth Jones. And that's probably it in terms of anyone you'd be interested in, like including the goalies, I guess. Like, you know what? Petter Mrazek, I will say, has been okay lately, which surprises me, especially with this team and also the fact that he's Petter Mrazek. So maybe, you know, again, kind of like with the Merzlikens thing, if you need volume, Mrazek could be an option, a scary option, but an option. Um, as far as the forwards, like I could read you these lines. Um, I don't even know what's the first, like if I go just by minutes in that game against Nashville where they lost on Saturday, in that case, the top, this can't actually be what we would read, call the top. Read me these lines like they're a bedtime story. Okay. Wait, I don't know what that means. Like, is that like in a sing-songy voice? It's open to interpretation. Jason Dickinson, <laughs> Anders Bjork, and McKay. No, I can't. We don't have time. <laughs> that's but a yeah. lullaby, not a bedtime that's a lullaby. story. Okay. Jason Dickinson, Andres Bjork, and Mackenzie Antwist. It's kind of like my opening for part two. <laughs> yeah, and it voice. is putting me to sleep like a bedtime story would. There's, <laughs> Tyler there's not- Johnson, Taylor yeah. Radish, and Cole Gutman, I guess. Is that the first line? Or Athanasiu, Kurashev, and Reichel? That's the first line. line. I guess so. Has uh, to Kyra, be. Kachuk, and Joey Anderson. Well, they didn't play that much in the last game. Uh, but yeah, those do... Like, if you look at the top power play, I guess those would be... That, that's how we'll decide who might be interesting in Chicago. Tyler Johnson, Athanasiu, Taylor Radish, and Philip Kurashev, and then Seth Jones. Look, like, Lucas Reichel is a high-pedigree prospect. He ha- is called up now. He'll get a bit of a run. Uh, he did get an assist in this game. 
game against Nashville, which is kind of interesting. I will say Tyler Johnson. I said this on uh, Matchup Maximizer yesterday because Chicago actually has a good schedule next week. I think it's like Monday, Wednesday, Friday to start the week. Tyler Johnson's been on a decent enough. Like he's, you know, he's having a couple multi-point games. Well, like a multi-point game a week. I don't know. Whatever. But he always gets hurt. Is there anyone? Like, <laughs> I like move on? you're trying so like you're trying so hard to add value to these guys. Like I could say Andreas Athanasiu has points in three of four, but he barely shoots. Um Kurishev occasionally shoots. Lucas Reichel has like an unknown entity and maybe yeah. he's interested. But I really don't think there's much like there's even less here in Chicago than there is in Arizona, except on the blue line. You know, Elon, a piece of trivia for you. Seth Jones, more he's meaningful well. than the other. He has scored two thirds of Chicago's goals in March. Literally wow. two, two out of three goals <laughs> scored by Chicago have been from Seth Jones. Two goals on eight shots, though, in his last two games. And uh, Elon, I don't know if you remember, back in January, he was on like a 27 or like some garbage pace. And you were like, we, we talked about, is it time to drop Seth Jones? And I was like, no, I don't think it's time to drop Seth Jones. And since Brilliant. then, Elon, sometimes, sometimes I got to pat myself on the back here to my own horn. Seth Jones is on a 60 point pace since january when when we had that conversation he's shooting 10 percent to get there seven goals on like 70 shots but still like that's not so outrageous and even without those he'd still be on a good pace of course the job is harder now without patrick kane and max domi there so we'll see but i still think you at least hang on and see what he can do and then you've got uh yeah you mentioned petter morazek who's been well above average in four of his last five 920 save percentage in his last five games only two wins to show for it though and they were in top level opponents but uh, at least Morazic has worked his way back into like a spot start discussion mm-hmm. okay so brian i want to talk now about the other big name biggish name that left chicago we'll get to him and a bunch of more players in just a sec but let's take a quick break you're listening to keeping carlson Okay, we are back. I will end the suspense. Yeah, let's talk about Max Domi, I guess, who's been having such a huge year with Chicago. Things really clicked for him there, but obviously it made perfect sense for Chicago to want to, you know, dump him and get what they can for him. And who knows, maybe he'll resign as a free agent in the offseason. But yeah, he ends his tenure in Chicago with uh, 49 points in 60 games. So a really great season for Domi. Now he goes to Dallas, okay? And he joins Evgeny Dodonov as a new acquisition for the Stars, get a chance to make a playoff run here uh so domi's first game for, uh, for dallas was against colorado so tough opponent but not too tough because dallas was able to beat colorado 7-3 uh you think when a team scores seven goals you're like all right let me see what domi was able to do unfortunately not too much uh only two shots and no points he was playing on a line with sagan and marchment and yeah nothing to show for any of those seven goals also domi was getting second power play i guess i'll lump dodonov in to this discussion and say that he was playing on a line with jamie Bell and Wyatt Johnston. Uh, Donov also pointless in this game versus Colorado, which is surprising. Who got the points in that game? I guess it was mostly uh, Hints and Pavelski and Robert. Well, Robertson had a huge game. Uh, he's he's insane. But okay, so yeah, basically the top line, I think, carried the team pretty much in, in that win. Uh, but Donov beforehand had three points in his first three games with Dallas. So if you see a Domi and or a Donov in your free agency, are you interested in one of these guys or do they just basically become now like Mason Marchments, basically like, you know, players who could have been good on other teams. Now they're just depth pieces and not someone who will do too much. Um, yeah, I, I think there's not a whole lot of value. Like when's the last time you really saw value from anybody not on Dallas's top line? It's been a long, long time, Elon. Like Tyler Sagan has been the closest thing to it. And we've been like, this has been a pretty successful season for Sagan. And he's on a 53 point pace. And that's thanks to him having six points in his last six games, including an, an eight shot outing, which was uh, nice to see. But really, there's not a whole lot of upside. Like the only one with upside off Dallas's top line is, uh, believe it or not, and you should believe it by now, is Jamie Ben, and that's because he's become this like power play specialist, where he's up to twenty power play points on the season. He's still putting up points like outside of power play situations, but he also has three short short handed points too. So things are going well on special teams for Jamie Ben this year. And that's why he's rosterable, but no one else really is on a regular basis. Like Tyler Sagan, depending on your league, of course, um, Joe Pavelski. Remember we said like, we'd talk about him when we're like getting really concerned. Uh, he's, he, we didn't have to, he's got five points now in his last four games, thanks to a pair of two point nights in his last two games against Colorado and Chicago. So I just wanted to close the, 
the loop on that. Uh, I'm really relieved because I wasn't sure what I was going to say if Pavelski continued to be cold. But yeah, all this to say Max Domi, Evgeny Dodonov, not on the top line, not interesting to me. And I think for Max Domi especially, I think he is the guy or nothing at all. And I imagine that's why he's rumored to return to Chicago, to want to come back to Chicago next year so he could go back and be the number one center he dreams of being and you know, he showed he could be half decent at the job when he's really given like a long leash and not saddled with too much defensive responsibility. So uh, we'll see what that means for his draft value next year, or probably more like streaming value next year. But while in Dallas, I'm not that into Domi or Dodonov. Okay, yeah. Another team that, by the way, unloaded a lot of their players is Detroit, right? They sent Bertuzzi away. Verona's gone. Not that he was playing. Uh, Heronic, like we discussed. Uh, you know, going into this week, Detroit had a five-game week, and so I'm sure a lot of people were rushing to grab different Red Wings. In the end, I don't know. Maybe this is like a valuable lesson. Like, maybe you don't need to jump on these teams with five games. Like, it uh, looks like there was no one who had more than two points in the five games. So, I don't know. For whatever it's worth. It didn't end up being too exciting of a week for any uh, Detroit Red Wing player. And I don't think we're going to be seeing many exciting weeks moving forward because they've gotten rid of a lot of their players. Like, unfortunately for the fans, I guess they'll have to wait another year. At one point, it was looking like maybe they could take a run at the playoffs. Like you said, Brian, I guess those two losses to Ottawa put them into seller mode. And hopefully they're happy with the returns they got. They got a first for Bertuzzi, I know. Uh, and we just talked about the great return for Heronic. So definitely, you know, I guess for Detroit, the future has been exciting for a while now. Maybe at some point people will be excited to see when that will become the present but yeah not this year exactly yeah i think anybody looking for big for big performances out of detroit the rest of the year you're looking at dylan larkin and i don't know lucas raymond could be okay david perron is like off on and off the top power play like only in the deepest of leagues honestly for me like right now like even also lucas raymond like i'm not interested yeah a couple like same yeah, exactly. Like good schedule, maybe a one game stream. But I, I honestly, I don't think, like even like I, I'd say Wallman. Wallman has been doing better than Cider lately. Like Cider's been cold. I want, uh, yeah, I want Dylan Larkin, and it's really hard for me to endorse another forward in Detroit right now. Yeah, and uh, of course the big name that left is Tyler Bertuzzi, who was traded for a first to Boston, also a fourth. Uh, so Taylor Hall is injured, and it looks like Bertuzzi kind of slid into the Hall spot on the third line, playing with Charlie Coyle and Fre- uh, Trent Frederick. And also Bertuzzi was on the second power play. So yeah, it's not a great spot. Like Taylor Hall hasn't been that exciting this year. He did get an assist in this game against the Rangers that we talked about before. Uh, one shot, though. I don't know. Seems to, like is Bertuzzi just basically Hall for now, which is I like so. fringe rosterable. Yeah, he's a third liner on like the Bruins third, like well the third line that I think they use like they're going to be tough to play against. They're going to wear you down. They're going to grind you down. Maybe they'll get you know a point, a goal here or there. But on the whole, yeah, I'm not expecting this to be a, a place from which Bertuzzi can produce a whole lot of offense. His value goes down from having been a top power play in often top line player in Detroit to third line, second power play, which is, uh, yeah, I'd say like he's in an even worse position than like, like it makes me think of Philip Hedl, right? His third line, second power play and has some value every so often. So I could see that happening for Bertuzzi too. But um, yeah, I see even less or similar, similar or less opportunity to produce for Bertuzzi compared to someone like Philip Hedl. Yeah, and like I'd say maybe at some point he gets a shot on the top power play. Like who knows? He's been good as a net front guy in the past. But at the same time, it's like but why? for who? Like, yeah. Well, like and yeah, it's just Boston's so like they're rolling. Like someone has to like open up. Like maybe if there's an injury, you know. But like for now, I don't see any reason why Boston needs to shake anything up. They're like the top team in the league for a reason. Uh, then I guess another reason, by the way, that they're looking like a really strong team to continue being the top team is they picked up Dmitry Orlov from Washington, and Orlov is like on fire right now. Nine points. In his last four games as a Bruin, he, he did nothing in his first game against Vancouver and then has made up for it since. Uh, Orlov. Oh, you're right. Oh, I should have brought him up then. I forgot. I forgot that I had him on the list here. But okay, we have to talk about Orlov's hot streak, of course. Uh, especially because all of a sudden, like his first couple games on the team, he wasn't even getting power play. All of a sudden, Orlov's sneaking into that second power play. Uh, obviously, uh, Charlie McAvoy is going to be tough to bump. Uh, and, you know, obviously you're going to say that Orlov's not going to keep up this point pace. But, like, if he's in free agency, are you rushing for him? Because, like, even no. if he, like... Really? I'm not. So, like, he could half this. He could get a quarter of these points <laughs> yeah. and he's still worth rostering. Yeah, and he could get an eighth of these points or a tenth of their, like a twentieth of these points. And that would be more in line with what Orlov has done through his career. Like he has been um, 
a 35 point defenseman. Like, honestly, I see Hampus Lindholm here, like a very similar situation. Like you're on Boston goals, get scored on Boston. You can get in on a lot of them when you're on the ice a lot. And Orlov is going to be on the ice a lot. You know, he's already, he's been, has had over 20 minutes in three of his five games. I was actually expecting him to see even a little more ice time than that. And maybe he will over the course of his time there, like in Washington, um, he was finishing actually like for the season he he's averaged just 21 minutes a night but for the last couple months he'd been playing like 24 minutes a night on average i'm just sort of eyeballing that uh but yeah this can't continue for orlov he had but what a great way to start three goals on his first five shots which means that orlov is a bruin which means orlov doubled his season goal total in two games um and then like but like you said he added those six assists so it's like could he keep this up i don't know 100 percent points participation 40 percent shooting 14 percent teammate like on ice shooting percentage yeah, I think this is just like a, a Hampus Lindholm situation where you can grab him and see how long this lasts. He's rostered in all my leagues. Yeah, I know. And like, and we've mentioned a while back, do you remember? We were like, yeah, you could drop Hampus Lindholm. He's done now. And then he went on another run. But since then, you know, he went completely silent again um, and somehow is on a 54-point pace for the season and is on, actually, he's been on a pretty healthy run for a month now still. So Elon, yeah, maybe my take is bad here. Maybe I, I should revise it and say that, like, I, well, you said, should you rush to go grab Orlov? I'd say if you're looking to plug, like, I don't know, Elon, you know, I have Jake Wallman in Kakupful. Orlov, Orlov is gone. Like, I, I can't get him. Um, but if I could, I would consider that. I would. I would yeah. easily do that. Because yeah. you're going to get points. Like, Wallman's not going to get, he's good for perifs. He's not going to get points. Detroit's not going to score any goals. Yeah. 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 No, Orlov's in a really good spot. But yeah, like don't expect th- these theatrics, but uh, I think he's definitely rosterable. He's very exciting to me anyways. Uh, let's look at some more trades. I guess we're getting to like the lower end here, so we can maybe like s- just kind of rush through the final trades that might have some interest, okay, for fantasy. Tanner Janot is someone who was really great last year with his high shooting percentage and all of his hits over in Nashville. Now he goes to Tampa for a first, a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth in various drafts coming up. So a huge price, uh, you know, but Tampa... You know, the GM sort of justified it by saying, look, like, who knows if these picks will be good? Like, even further, who knows if these picks will end up being good in the window that we care about, which is while, you know, Stamkos and Hedman, you know, are, are around. Uh, so, you know, Kucherov and point, you know, like, while their current core is around. So they're like, this is a piece that we think is going to help us during the time of this core. Uh, so that's why they picked up Jeannot. Uh So we'll see how that works out for them. Uh, in the meantime, Tanner Jeannot himself is like on the fourth line and not, you know, I don't know. He does, he does have actually, he had two games in a row with an assist in each, no points. Well, I guess Tampa got shut out today against Carolina. So obviously no points. I can't imagine there's any interest here. Like I, like no. except for hits no i mean he's playing with uh, mikey acemon and nick paul which is like such a tampa line like this reminds me very much of like gaudreau coleman gord like you pick up a couple guys you throw them on a line with someone you've already had for a bit they all learned like it's a very defensive focused line and i think that's what Janot's role is going to be similar we talked about bertuzzi being on a checking line i think Janot's line is going to be even less productive uh he's seeing less ice time in tampa so far than he was in nashville uh, sure there's the potential that Janot can surprise uh, and his line can surprise other teams some nights but uh yeah i don't think that we're looking at uh, too 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 great a situation i mean we weren't looking at Janot as a top six player in nashville as being rosterable and i don't think him moving to tampa makes him any more rosterable by the way like do we need to talk about how terrible the lightning have been like you you have mentioned it you've touched on it but like they benched kucherov and point and was it stamkos yeah they had a game where they didn't play any of their good players yeah for the last they just benched them and now they've lost five in a row for the first time since 2013-14 and I'm like, who was even on that team? That was Kucherov's rookie year. Marty St. Louis was traded to the Rangers in his age 38 season at the end of that year. Uh, aside from him, Andre Palat led the team with 59 points in 81 games, followed by Phil Pula, Victor Hedman, Tyler Johnson, Teddy Purcell. Stephen okay. Samkos was over a point per game as a 23-year-old, but he only played 37 games. I don't 
Okay. Thanks for the info. But yeah, let's talk about this season, I guess. <laughs> okay. And yeah, it's concerning and also made potentially even more concerning. I'm seeing that Victor Hedman was injured in today's game against Carolina. Apparently, he tried to come back and then left again. So I don't know. Maybe that's a sign that it's not so, so serious. He was, you know, was able to attempt to come back. But uh, obviously, that would be a big hit to Tampa's chances. I'm sure Leafs fans are, you know, getting a little bit excited about maybe not this Hedman injury. That wouldn't be nice. But just like this losing streak in general. And like one player who jumps out to me is now I have to ask if he's still worth holding is brandon hagel who's been great all year we actually had a question from thunder down under over on our discord uh where he was asking like what to do with hagel because he's ice cold right now and yeah hagel is pointless now in five games if you look at the lions today against carolina hagel was playing with nick paul and alex killorn for a lot of the games so not on the top line uh also i'm seeing that hagel wasn't on the top power play oh no killorn was there for a lot of the game with stamkos kucherov and Braden point i'm saying for a lot of game it was like a minute and 47 seconds but that was the majority of the power play time so yeah are we ready to tell people to drop brandon hagel like obviously these questions are tough because like the deployment could change and all of a sudden he could heat up again but i think if you're going for it now you don't have time to wait right like i'm not interested in him if he's not playing with one of the superstars yeah that's how it feels and for most of the last two weeks hagel hasn't been on the top power play uh, and for most of the last two weeks, Hagel has not taken a shot. And in his last six games, Brandon Hagel has failed to register even a single shot on goal in four of them. So there's really zero value coming from Hagel. And like you said, Elon, the second deployment changes, Hagel could be valuable again, or likely I could I could even say will be valuable again. But if you can't afford to wait for that deployment to change, then you might have to go ahead and drop him and then deal with it later if you if you feel if you have feelings of regret. But if you're in an urgent or dire situation, it might be time to say goodbye to Hagel if you're not seeing result deployment change uh, ASAP. Yeah. And maybe even if you're not in a dire situation, like maybe you're cruising into the playoffs, but you have some exciting. What if, uh, you know, Rasmus Sandin is out there? And we've been talking about how we're excited about him. Like, I'd rather just switch to the guy in a good situation right now. And, you know, rather than, be, you know, he at the end of the day, he is Brandon Hagel, right? He's not going to do well unless he's in a good spot. So it's not like someone you need to hold on to because, you know, like I think back to when Tavo Teravainen was cold. And I know, Brian, you said like you can let him go. And I, in the back of my head, I was just like, but he's Tavo Teravainen. Like, he's really good. He's a good player. Like, you know, I don't feel bad about Brandon Hagel. Maybe I will one day, but I feel like he's only good, like, for fantasy when he's in a good spot so for what it's worth I'd, I'd be okay to let him go uh maybe i'll eat my words uh what other trades we could have a verana to st louis for peanuts like maybe we've talked too much about verana for someone who hasn't done anything for a long time but he was once very valuable in fantasy and obviously st louis even if they didn't give anything to get him in trade like they obviously have some interest because they're taking on a contract 5.25 million for a whole other season after this one so i'd imagine the blues are getting him because they want to play him Otherwise, they wouldn't have traded for him. So I'm trying to convince myself by saying all this that I think Verana is someone I'm interested in. And I'm curious to see. Obviously, we'll see at game day lines like what his deployment is. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's a top six spot like he's had previous times in his career where he's been successful. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know what to say about it. Yeah, honestly, like that's uh, that is my full answer. Like, let let's see the guy. I, I think we're we're basically starting from zero with Rana. And I know some, we had a uh, like some discussion on our Discord server, our patrons only Discord server, where uh, someone was like, you know, why does everybody keep expecting Rana to do stuff? Like he was, he hasn't been, he wasn't, he did nothing in Detroit. He was bad in Washington for a bunch. And like, yes, that's true. But there was still that moment early in his career when he wasn't seeing a whole lot of minutes, but he was taking shots like nobody's business and taking quality shots. Um, So that was exciting. And now that he's sort of, you know, seems to have, I I don't know if he's hit bottom or whatever, but I would like to see him get a fresh start and I'm keeping an open mind. I'm sort of treating him like any other guy that we just haven't seen enough of, but we know has potential. Of course, he has had a few opportunities that he hasn't taken advantage of, and you can hold that against him. Or you can say, hey, I'm willing to give you a fresh start. I mean, hey, if Kasperi Kapanen can do pretty well with a fresh start in St. Louis, then why not? Jacob Vrana, Kasperi Kapanen, by the way, two goals on nine shots so far as a St. Louis Blue. If I had to count how many games it took Kasperi Kapanen to record nine shots on goal, I would have to go and combine his last six games as a Pittsburgh Penguin. 
Wow. Okay. So maybe he's the one to look at if you want to go really deep. And yeah, Shams thankfully corrected me. So the contract was half retained by Detroit. But so St. Louis still is taking a two plus million dollar cut. 2.6 is that? I don't want to do the math on the fly here. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, also, we have like Pierre Engvall got traded to the Islanders, which generally I wouldn't bring up except for the fact that in the last game, Engvall played on the top line with Horvat and Anders Lee. Um, he didn't do anything. And uh, but the Islanders did win four to one, so maybe he sticks on that line. So again, it's like super deep cut, but top liners aren't uh, you know they don't grow on trees. So right now, Pierre Engvall is one of them. Uh, then we have Mikhail Grandlin went was traded to Pittsburgh, which you know he, he's had fantasy value, of course, in the past. I think he was kind of interesting sometimes on Nashville, just getting you know good deployment, top power play. Now he's like a bottom sixer. He was playing with Jeff Carter and Denton Heinen in the last game, and also like not even power play, or maybe some a little bit of power play time so yeah we'll see like if he doesn't bump like a zucker like i'm not interested like in the bottom six yeah. Cal grandland of course and he's not gonna I, I, I don't think that's the reason which is you know kind of baffling because Mikhail grandland is not on a good contract for what he offers like he doesn't play offense his defense isn't particularly good and you're paying him five million dollars for the next two years after this one, and I don't know that he's going to get any better, and he never really has been a whole lot better, but any fancy value where we were like, oh yeah, Mikhail Grenlin, you could stream him in in Nashville, he's playing in the top six, on the top power play, uh, he could go off or pick up a point or two on any given night, although that more often than not, that didn't happen for Grenlin, now it's almost certain that it will never happen. So his value's tanked. Elon, I love your optimism. Like your th- nah, that sounds cheeky. Pat- patronizing. I'm not optimistic. Oh, I meant I was going to say about Pierre Engvall playing on the top line. Oh, I'm not op- I'm not optimistic about him. Either. Yeah, no, it sounded cheekier than I I meant for it to be, but I think it's a uh, it's at least, you know, if we're interested in guys like Matt Martin on the top line or JG Pajot on and like somewhere in the middle six, then I think it's a, uh, at least worth thinking about Pierre Engvall if you're in the throes of desperation. Uh, it, it's at least good to know, Milan. I wouldn't have known Engvall was on the top line if you hadn't mentioned it tonight. So thank you for that. Well, I mean, Shams and I are retweeting over at Game Day Lines all day long. We know who's on every line of every team. That's uh, yeah, that's that's what we do. Uh, but yeah, definitely not that interesting regardless. And yeah, Granlin, weird trade, right? Because not only are, did Pittsburgh take on this big contract, they also gave up a 2023 second round pick to do so. That's a good draft. Second is pretty early. I don't, I don't know why. Yeah, no one really knows what the Penguins are doing. Like, you know, they're, they're at the stage where they're like, like the fan base and the people I follow who follow the 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 the, the intelligent voices that are the ones I consider intelligent following the penguins are like we need to get rid of this GM before he does damage beyond what he's already done like before the impact is felt later into the future and then like boom trading picks for a bad Mikhail Granlund contract solving no problems it's the same thing in Vancouver right so now it's like too late now like the next year or two i mean this is the end of Crosby Malkin and Latang's like you, you want to be competitive anyway it's a bummer sorry to penguins fans i hope things go better than it looks like they're about to all right brian so we still have i think we're done with the trades pretty much we still have some streaks i wanted to get to to end the show here uh, including a check-in on timo meyer who's playing his first game today for the devil so we'll get to him and a few other guys in just a sec where we're gonna wrap this baby up you're listening to keeping carlson Okay, Brian, we are back. Woo! This has been quite the fun yet exhausting episode going through so many trades. And yeah, I wanted to end, like I said, on some updates on some players and some streaks here. Yeah, let's go to New Jersey now. Or I guess, actually, let's go to Arizona, where, believe it or not, the Devils and the Coyotes are tied 4-4. The Devils were up 3-1, to but yeah, the Coyotes have come back to tie. Jack McBain just scored the tying goal with two minutes to go. By the way, Yusuf Valimaki, uh, two assists in this game. So there you go. Worth a look. Worth a look. And that was not even on the power play. Is it even strength? So I don't know. A bunch of randos getting points here on Arizona. There was a Nick Schmaltz goal from Keller and Valimaki. But yeah, the other goal is Michelli and Zach Cassian and Jack McVeigh. So, okay. Obviously, the player that people are interested in is Timo Meyer, who's getting his first look with New Jersey. And what do you know? Meyer's having a pretty good start because he scored a goal. He scored the first goal of the game, uh, assisted by Hamilton and Jack Hughes. Uh, I guess 
you could say it's not going that well in that they might lose to Arizona, which would be kind of embarrassing uh, for the team. But yeah, for fantasy, Meyer is A-OK. He's playing with Hughes and Bratt, so that's a pretty sweet line. Then you've got Heeshear, Mercer, and Tatar playing together on the second line. And so I guess the person who got bumped is like Sharon Govich. Like, is he even playing today? I think Sharon Govich might be scratched from looking at these lines here. Uh, so yeah, he's the guy who got the hook. And then on the top power play, Palat is off. It's been Hughes, Bratt, Heeshear, and Meyer, and Dougie Hamilton which looks pretty stacked to me. Uh, so no fantasy advice here. But yeah, New Jersey looks really stacked. I don't know why they're losing this game. Maybe they're trying to figure some things out. Vanacek not having the best game himself. But I think this is going to be a very scary team for the rest of the season. Definitely. Yeah, the third line like looks good. It's Halla, Palat, and Bokvist. And over the last couple of years, that would have been New Jersey's second line. But of course, they're deeper than that now. There's not a whole lot of analysis here, except Sharon Govich is the scratch tonight. Mercer continues on his streak. Like, if you've got him, congratulations. Like, you got a good one who's actually keeping it up and is in a fantastic place to keep producing. We'll see. Like, I'm curious to see, because Sharon Govich, I don't think serves any purpose in the bottom six. So we'll see if there's any kind of rotation between him, Mercer, and Tatar. That, that, that's what I'll be watching if you have either of those guys. Of course, Mercer, there's no way he's coming out of the lineup with the way he's playing lately. Um, but yeah, uh, it's going to be fun to watch Timo Meyer play games that matter and into the playoffs too. The East is going to be, I mean, it's been talked about ad nauseum, but the, the first round of the playoffs in the East are going to be incredible. I can't wait. Yeah, especially if the Sens are there playing the Bruins. Especially then. Yeah, that, that, that could be a quick series, but it'll be fun. Like the lead up to the playoffs, if Ottawa does make it, will be more fun, I think, than the playoffs themselves. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. They have Jacob Chickering now. But okay. Yeah. So, okay. So Meyer goes to New Jersey, which leaves San Jose with, you know, maybe not as bad as some of these other teams we've talked about. Like you look at the n- roster in like Nashville and Arizona and Chicago, it looks pretty bad. San Jose, not not great. Like uh, they, but one exciting thing is they have called up William Eklund to take the Meyer spot, playing with Hurdle, Hurdle, and uh, Fabian Zetterlund. So what was it at the start the of the other year again? acquisition from New Jersey? Yeah, yeah. Well, along with Scott Harrington, who waived and was claimed by Anaheim, I think. And, and Andreas Janssen, I think, came. Yeah. And, and, and Andreas Janssen's been playing on the second line with Couture yeah. and Barabanov. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. What were you wondering? I interrupted you. You were going to say, what were the lines? Well, what was it? It was Hurdle, Meyer, and someone else to start the year. And now oh. I'm kind of blanking on who it was. Oh, my gosh. Was Me it like too. LeBanc? Le- oh, um. Well, whatever. All I, right. roster, I, I tried about... to roster the guy a couple times. It wasn't okay. Well, I don't. You think... can look it up um, while you do that. I'm just going to mention that William okay. Eklund is out the seventh overall pick in 2021. Great first game in terms of his stat line. It was like, LeBanc. It, okay. Woo. Did it. Uh, yeah. 8-3. Uh, San Jose lost to Washington, as we mentioned like, a couple hours ago. But yeah, Eklund did pick up an assist, took four shots, top power play. So... I'm interested. If he's available, I'd take a look at William Eklund if you could fit him into your lineups next week. He's a high pedigree guy, and it looks like San Jose is going to give him all the opportunities in the world. And so, of you know, outside of Hurdle and Couture, I, I take Eklund over a Barabanov at this point as the, my number three forward on the team that I'd be interested in for as long as he's here. Yeah, for whatever that's worth, right? But like, I'd prefer him to Engvall or Granlund or Kapanen. Elon, here's a question. Um, how would you feel about Eklund versus Verona? Because you sounded pretty pretty optimistic about Brian and St. Louis. <laughs> Brian, look, I'm the host of the show. I, I'm just bringing up topics here. <laughs> okay. I'm not, that ex- all I was saying is, is there a chance? Like I just said St. Louis paid for him. So maybe they'll give him an opportunity. Okay, so, but who would you choose? Eklund. No, easily. Yeah. Eklund. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. going to have to show me something. Okay, cool. Verona yeah, to I- me is like a, maybe he could get in the top six. Maybe Eklund is like top line, top power play, high pedigree yeah. prospect. <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure. And four shots was a, a fantastic re-debut. Well, actually, no, it was a debut this season because he's only spent time in the press box for the time that he's officially been with the big club this year uh, and playing a lot on that top. Like he's playing with the team's best center in Tomas Hurdle at five on five. And he's playing with what is a, a legit, like you look at the top power play unit, the Sharks still have that, right? Kuchur, Hurdle, Eric Carlson, Barabanov like gets a little dicey, but I still think he probably is a top power play capable player so you add Eklund to the mix it's a good place to be Eklund has had success in the AHL too this year 41 points in 52 games I guess the only thing to be careful of is uh if the Sharks send him down before he plays nine games so if you add him might just be like a hello for a week or two help me out and then we'll uh we'll see you next year 
yeah. So of course, the plan is for Eklund to be something in the, in the future, not this year. But for now, while he's here, I would be interested. Uh, let's go to Florida, where finally Barkov and Bennett back in the lineup, and it went pretty well. Florida beat Pittsburgh four to one on Saturday. Brian, I mentioned all those teams tied with Ottawa, chasing for that final playoff spot. Florida is one of them. So it's definitely yeah, it's not going to be easy to make it because when Florida's fully healthy, this is a scary team. We saw what they could do last year. Sure, they've lost Huberdeau, but you know they've gained Matthew Kachuk in there. They're a scary team. Uh, the lines in the last game were. Barkov with Duclair and Eta Lusterainen, and then Reinhardt playing on a line with Lomberg and Lundell, and then Sam Bennett playing with Verhage and Matthew Kachuk. So kind of spreading out the offense here. Sam Reinhardt kind of looking like he's getting the short end of the stick. The Lundell is good. Lundell was on the top line, if you recall, with Barkov for a while. We hypothesize that maybe he could fall at some point when Duclair comes back. So as of, you know, it was a good game. So probably this will last for a little bit longer. Uh, looks like, yeah, Lundell probably loses his value. Looking at Duclair, someone who people drafted and like stashed and were excited to see what they could get out of him. Uh, he got points in his first two games with the Panthers, nothing in his last couple of games. And he hasn't been on the top power play. So I feel like Duclair is like, meh, like if he's out there, I'll be like, maybe grab him, but not someone I'm like so crazy excited for. I like the shots, but I like him playing with Barkov, but I'd prefer if he was a power play guy. Maybe, Brian, I'd be curious to know, who would you take between Duclair and the red-hot Etu Lusterainen, who, like I said, is also playing on the same line with Duclair and Barkov, and why not six points in his last five games for Lusterainen? He's, uh, yeah, on a hot streak right now, getting rewarded with a top-line spot. This is a no-Pierre Engvall situation. This is someone on the top line yeah. and, and doing well with it. I don't know if you remember, but I did bring him up last week and saying he's done a great job spotting for Barkov while he's out. And we'll see what happens when Barkov's back and he might not be valuable anymore. But yeah, he stayed on the top line with Alex Barkov. Lundell Elon, you said like forget about, but he is still playing with Sam Reinhardt. Like the, the yeah. Panthers are like in the other line is Kachuk Verhage Bennett. So that definitely seems like the Reinhardt Lomberg Lundell line definitely seems third in stature compared to those, but they all saw like reasonably even five on five minutes um, in the last game against Pittsburgh on Saturday night. So maybe Florida tries to roll a bit of a top nine. But yeah, I love A2 Louis Durinen and that he continues to produce. Um, he He's had some bigger shot games. He's getting more minutes uh, or be- he's getting better deployment. I should say he's not necessarily getting more minutes. So while he's on the top line, um, I would have him up there with your Anton Lundells and your Anthony Duclairs. And I might have him at the top of the pile right now just because he is the one who's producing. Yeah, I could take that. Uh, Then another guy who's currently on a top line and looking pretty good is Jack Quinn over on Buffalo. Uh, I have seen I saw some tweet today that got me a little concerned but i probably shouldn't be but like greenway was traded to buffalo and some of the i think it was the gm or the coach someone was saying that like greenway is going to get a shot like potentially in the top six so i do wonder and he was like comparing greenway to alex tuck and saying like they play similarly so i wonder if maybe greenway gets a chance to play with thompson and skinner but for now anyways it's been jack quinn on that line since alex tuck got injured and jack quinn is doing really really well he has five points in his last four games uh so i'm definitely interested in him more than Lusterainen, I'll say, for as long as he's playing with Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner. Okay, yeah, I'll get, I'll, I'll join you on that. Quinn's, uh, you know, he's four goals on fourteen shots on this run, but three assists to go with them in his last seven games. So that's a, it's a nice, nice tidy piece of business for Jack Quinn, who's holding his own up there. And yeah, you mentioned Jordan Greenway. I, I don't know that I'm too concerned about it, especially while Quinn is producing from the top line. I'm not sure why Buffalo would choose to mess with that. Well, they. You know, they've got, it's not only about that. They got to win these games, right? They did beat Tampa, but they got destroyed by Boston. I guess everyone gets destroyed by Boston. Maybe you don't have to okay. change anything up. Yeah, but like if you're losing, but you had one line. Do, oh, well, maybe you spread out the line. Is that what you're suggesting? Like you have a line succeed and you lose the game. Do you blow up that one successful line? I'm not the coach, right? I'm just saying a quote that I read that got me a little concerned. Uh, I'm just the host. I'm not the coach. Just deflecting yeah. responsibility everywhere. Yeah, my job is not to uh, give takes. No, I I love exactly what you do. Okay, I appreciate that. Uh, Remember, by the way, when Jack Quinn was taken ahead of Marco Rossi and everyone was like, you idiots. Why are you so terrible? And like, it was piling and piling on to Buffalo for this terrible pick. Right now, I don't know, Jack Quinn looking pretty good. Marco Rossi still uh, not in the NHL. Yeah, Rossi's development, I think, was totally derailed by the full season. He was like sick with COVID and I like who knows if he's fully recovered. So I don't think anyone saw that coming. He seemed to be one of the more NHL ready prospects in that draft. And I mean, I have to think that's had something to do. But yes, a lot of 
folks were were really down on Quinn saying like even in the top 10 what you probably did not have business being there but yes um good for you do you have him in a in your dynasty league no Elon? i wish yeah. i probably okay. could have gotten him for cheap after yeah. the draft blew it uh, okay let's end in winnipeg okay we had a question from jeeves asking what to do with nikolai ehlers who gee like jeepers creepers brian like once again ehlers finds himself off the top power play and this is with pierre luc dubois injured and yet still a uh, nino niederreiter has bumped either so the top power play in the last game was wheeler niederreiter shifley connor morrissey i guess you can also say wheeler someone who bumped ehlers because for a while wheeler was on the second power play but ehlers back in his comfortable spot on pp2 but not in his comfortable spot of getting points because for the first time in a long time in his career Ehlers is pointless in five games not even taking that many shots he's playing at even strength with Kevin Stenland and Blake Wheeler while uh, Nino is playing with Shifley and Kyle Connor so you know looking very short term right now just looking at the deployment but also the results Nino Niederreiter six points in his last six games he's looked really good so far on Winnipeg is it crazy to say that well, I'll just ask the question. I'm not saying I'm saying it, but if you have, would you swap out Ehlers for Niederreiter for the rest of this season? Let's say your playoffs start next week. No. There's only three weeks left. I wouldn't. No You don't way. take the top line, top power play guy? No, because if one guy's going to save me, like if I need someone, it's going to be Ehlers and maybe he'll let me down. It won't be like, it's very concerning that he's played a combined 23 minutes, like so averaging less than 12 minutes a night over his last two games. That's concerning. For me with Nick Ehlers. Um, but I, I can't. You, like, the upside is just too high. I, like, if, okay, here's a here's an alternate response. I don't response. disagree with you. If I, I just, yeah. yeah, but, like, I'm trying to entertain the the, the, the the idea. If I have Ehlers and Nino Nido Ryder both on my roster, and it's full on a given night, and I need to bench one of them, like, and it comes down to Ehlers or Nido Ryder, maybe... I play Niederreiter ahead of Ehlers. I, I still don't know that I'd have the, the nerve to do that because I think Ehlers is going to come back and be himself at some point. It, it's just a, a matter of waiting for him. But I, I yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it stinks. I don't know what to say. Like, we've been down this road so often with Ehlers. Like, we, we thought those, the second power play days were behind him, and here we are. And beyond that, his five-on-five deployment stinks. It would it would help if Pierre Luc Dubois got healthy for one thing at five on five, but generally it's still it's just unimpressive. It's it's unbecoming. <laughs> yeah, but okay, so I like made had some fun here, like comparing Nino to Ehlers, but like we do have a person, Jeeves here, asking for your help and say, What do I do with this guy? But you're saying you're holding on to Ehlers what and can just like you going do? down with the ship. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. could drop him. You drop him. You could drop him for Nino. Yeah, I'm not dropping him not, for Nino. Maybe Nita not Ryder. for Nino, but yeah, maybe for someone. I I'm like be, spot. Yeah, mm-hmm. like let us know, Jeeves, who else is out there in free agency. But, like, any reason to expect is it so basically you're just saying like he's cold right now his deployment isn't great but you still have faith that he can kind of bounce back or like is that kind of it like you're not seeing anything in his game that like indicates that he should be doing better i i, I don't even think there's been the opportunity he's been taken off the second power play and he's playing 11 minutes a night like it, it doesn't matter what i see in his numbers for that it's just like he's getting he's whether he's himself or not it's well, it's maybe. trash Maybe he's getting it because he's not, and it's yeah. but it's been too too short a time for me to really know if anybody in Winnipeg, like watching the team, uh, who's had their eyes on Ehlers more often, like let let us know. We'll we'll, we'll share via Twitter at Keeping Carlson yeah. if we find anything. But like I'm, I I I'm I have no theories here, Fair. unfortunately. All right. Well, here's here's what I'll say. Here's my advice. Winnipeg plays Monday, Wednesday to start next week. That Monday game is against San Jose. That's a tasty opponent. That's a nice opportunity to get some points. Definitely don't drop Ehlers for that game. Might as well hold for the Wednesday. Then they don't play again until Saturday, Sunday. So if you're desperate and he still does nothing in those two games and is still getting low minutes, maybe then you have to consider doing it. But Brian might disagree, but times get tough when you know when it's the playoffs you you got to make these tough calls when it's if it's a life or death call for your fantasy hockey team you might you might have to yeah all right brian we've done it we've gone through everything we had planned i thought maybe we would need three hours for it but we did it in just over two so look at us uh hope everyone enjoyed this show we put a lot of work into it and we hope that it was worth you know your while right our while it's worth our while if it's worth your while so let us know what you thought we'd love to hear from you if you're on our discord let us know what you think if you're on twitter tweet us at keeping carlson also if you disagree with any takes you want to have any discussions about it we're there we love talking fantasy hockey that's what we do uh so yeah at twitter at keeping carlson uh, if you want to become a patron join our community it's not too late 
Five bucks a month. Sign up now. Hang out for a month. Get we, we can help you out. Uh, us and the patrons will hang out for, during your fantasy playoffs. You can ask us some questions and, and join the fun convos. We I love the community. Thanks so much to the patrons who have stuck with us all through the season. You're the best. Uh, for more info, keepingcarlson.com slash patron. Uh, but with that, Brian, I'm done here. So let's cue the outro music. Why don't you go ahead and read us the credits? All right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dabber Hockey and powered by our patrons, including our super supporters, Ricard, Rob, David, Derek, Ryan, Tom, Andrea, Ivan, Tyler, Aaron, Adam, and of course, Patty. Uh, thank you to our team of Cacupful coordinators and co-commissions, Kevin A. Bear leading the charge, uh, kkupfl.com if you want to learn more about our fantasy hockey league that we run. It's going great as we head towards the playoffs. A lot of playoff, a lot of leagues totally up in the air. Uh, we have uh, a whole bunch where it's, it's several, like more than half the playoff spots are going to come down to the final week of play. Speaks to the level of parity and competition in our leagues. Like, the good kind of parity, not the NHL's parity. Uh, there is one division, though, that had, like, every all their six playoff spots determined last week or the week before. So congrats to everybody living that cozy, comfy, in-the-playoffs life, in the cupful, um, and everybody else heading towards your playoffs. Good luck. Thank you to Elon and Shams, Ben Amore, uh, for all the amazing work going over at GameDayTweets.com. Get all your lines, your news, your goalies, now your stats over there. Uh, it's easily the best fancy. Like, you got your frozen tools, and you got your Game Day Tweets. That's uh, that's it for me. And, of course, all the great content on Dabra Hockey. Thank you to our Short Shifts hosts, uh, Lewis and Shams and Jeremy. Logo art by BrandonWeave.com. Outro music by Pat Roach. This episode was researched with help from Dabra Hockey, Frozen Tools, Dabra Prospects, Natural Stat Trick, Evolving Hockey Cap Friendly, The Athletic, HockeyGoalies.org, Hockey Reference, Hockey Viz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, and Yahoo. Great job, Brian. This was so much fun. Hope everyone enjoyed it. We've got a couple Short Shifts episodes coming up this week, so definitely make sure you're subscribed. And until then, Brian, we're going to chat in a week. How should I pass my time while I wait for that momentous occasion? Well, productively and meaningfully, I hope. And one way you can make it meaningful is by doing all you can to make sure that fantasy hockey is for everyone.